Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here today with Crystal, who experienced her first miscarriage that was also her second pregnancy, and it was a missed miscarriage that happened actually on her anniversary in May, and she was 11 weeks, five days along, and she is going to share that story with us now. Crystal, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. So take me to the beginning of this. So it's it's your second pregnancy. So mm-hmm. you've, you know, you had a normal pregnancy the first time, quote unquote, you know, no complications, excited when you saw that positive for your second pregnancy. Yeah. So I guess I'll just, I'll kind of take you back to the, tell you a little bit about the first one. Um, so with my, with my son, it actually took us quite a while to conceive almost two years Oh, okay. Wow. And so um, we kind of did, at the time I was in grad school, so I was probably not as healthy and having as much self-care as I should um, under a lot of stress. Yeah, just a little stress. (laughs) But um, we were actually scheduled to go in and meet with a, we had already met with a fertility doctor and we were going to go in and start fertility treatments on the day that I found out I was pregnant with my son. So, which was obviously very exciting and quite shocking because you take so many pregnancy tests that come negative, negative, negative. And then, you know, you're supposed to start on your first day of your cycle and, um, got a positive. So, so that was, so that was exciting. So kind of fast forward to this time around, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. Like I kind of, you know, people will say, oh, well, once you've had a baby, you know, your body figures it out, you'll get pregnant quicker or whatever. But um, so I just, I didn't really know what to expect. I kind of had in the back of my mind, like, you know, when we were trying back then, I was 30, I'm, I'm 30, you know, and I got pregnant at 32. Now I'm 35. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm older. So you know, it could take some time again. Um, But we this time we got pregnant within like four or five months. So um, for us, that was relatively quickly. Um, And I was very surprised, um, obviously very excited. Um, And I was, I was surprised that it happened that quickly. You know, I had been tracking my cycle and and all of that. Um, But there was never, you know, miscarriage just never crossed my mind. My, my pregnancy with my son the first time around was 
uncomplicated. I would never had morning sickness. I was never sick. Like I, I had was smooth sailing the whole pregnancy. Um, so I was just super excited that we got pregnant again and assumed that this time around would be the same. And in terms of like symptoms, like the same thing this time, I didn't have morning sickness. Like I was really tired. That was kind of like my main thing that I had both times. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have any other symptoms. Which was normal for you as far as you knew. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how it was with my son. I never, like, I was tired and, and that was about it. That was, like, the only thing that really stood out, stood out for me. Um, so, and then with my son, I ended up, so I had a midwife with my son and I was planning a home birth, but ended up transporting to the hospital and having a c-section um after being in labor for mm, a long time <laughs> like two I think I saw the sun go down a few a few days so <laughs> um so I ended up with c-section he was posterior and an async clinic so he was like tilted and sunny side up so he was just kind of stuck um so with that, this time around, I was really focused on like, I wanted to have a VBAC. And so I was really focused on kind of finding a provider that was supportive of VBACs. So I spent a lot of time and research, like talking to a lot of different doctors and midwives. Um, so again, my, my focus this time around, I was really focused on like, you know, having a VBAC and finding a, provi- a, a provider that was supportive. Um, and, and so I feel like a lot of my energy during the pregnancy went to that where I wasn't really, I just had different set of anxieties this time. I didn't have the anxiety of like, oh, what's labor going to be like? Because I already knew that, like I was in labor for a really long time. So that now it was kind of the VBAC anxiety and, and all of that. So I really put a lot of time and energy into that. And, um, so I just, miscarriage never crossed my mind. I never thought about it. Um, I thought everything was going great. Uh, I will say that there were several times throughout, um, early in pregnancy up until when I miscarried where I had some, some uterine cramping. But nothing that was, like, nothing major. Just, like, kind of slight cramping. Um, And so I I didn't really think too much about it at the time. And then kind of fast forward to uh, maybe a week or two before I miscarried, I woke up one morning and I, I remember because I woke up and I got up and I went to go to the bathroom and I just started like bawling. I just felt like something was wrong. Oh, interesting. And, but I didn't, I mean, there was no, there was no indication to tell me anything was wrong. Uh, I just felt like something was wrong. But then I could just kind of thought to myself like, oh, well, you know, I've been under a lot of stress with. Um, you know, going to the doctors and finding someone that's will support me and having a VBAC. And um, so I had just been, I had like a lot of emotional turmoil over, over that aspect of things. So 
I just kind of brushed it off as like, okay, I'm just, you know, stressed out over that and making sure that I find the right provider for myself. Um, and yeah, so it was kind of, you know, obviously at the time I didn't know anything was wrong, but in hindsight, looking back, I just think that was kind of interesting that that happened. Um, so then a few weeks after that, my husband and I had scheduled a trip to go to Zion for our anniversary. It was like the first time that we've left my son for more than one night. And, um, so we had that trip planned and we were supposed to have an ultrasound the day before we left, I think it was. But when we went in, kind of had like an issue with the ultrasound tech um, oh, and no. just like a conflict. And so I ended up leaving. Oh, my goodness. And I just, oh, good. Yeah, I, I just didn't feel good about it. I just didn't feel comfortable. And so um, I ended up not having the ultrasound that day. Which, in hindsight, I'm grateful that I didn't because my son was with us and he's, you know, he was super excited. I had been showing him all the updates on, you know, like the baby center apps and showing him all the videos of like the baby's development. And we had already announced it to our family on Easter. Like my husband was kind of hesitant. He didn't really want to announce it that early, but I was like, well you know, it's our family and, you know, if something does happen, they'll be there for us. And so we had my son give everyone like Easter cards that said, you know, some bunny is going to be a big brother, you know, hatching this December, yada, yada, yada. So we had kind of already announced that. Um, so I think that was, like I said, I think the fact that we didn't have the ultrasound that day ended up being a blessing in disguise because with my son being there and him being excited um, and all of that. So we ended up not doing that. And then my husband and I went on our trip and uh, we came back and it was our anniversary the night that we came back. And I posted something on Facebook about our trip and our anniversary and I was going to post about our pregnancy because I'm like, okay, I'm 11 weeks, five days. I'm in the safe zone. I'm going to be 12 weeks. And my husband was like, no, I don't think we should post it yet. And I was like, okay. So I ended up not posting it. And then literally an hour later, I was getting ready to go to bed. And I went to the bathroom before I went to bed. And I started seeing some blood. Oh. Yeah. So, um, so I immediately freaked out because with my son, I never had any spotting and I knew that like some people could, and that could be normal, but it wasn't normal for me. And you still haven't had an ultrasound. No. So part of the, yeah. So part of the thing was, so, um, with, so with my son, I never had, I had heard his heartbeat with a Doppler because I, I had a, I had a midwife and she gave me, you know, they had given me an option to do an earlier ultrasound, but I, I tend to be 
just more of a like a holistic person in general and mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of same. like trust the process trust my body trust my baby like you know um if whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen sort of thing so um but the interesting thing was is that I hadn't heard a heartbeat or anything because of my back and forth switching between providers I didn't want to a lot of the providers I went to wanted to do an ultrasound but I didn't want to go I didn't want to start down a path with someone that I knew wasn't going to be my provider um and and so I wanted to make sure that the person I ended up selecting or going with that that was going to be the person that was going to handle all, all of my care. And again, I was just, I didn't think anything of it because of my last experience. You know, I had a pretty hands-off pregnancy last time and just kind of believe in trusting the process and trusting my body and all of that. So I wasn't really worried about it. Um, the one thing I will say, so I, I do have Hashimoto's, um, which I think was probably a contributing factor in trouble conceiving my son the first time around, although the fertility doctors said it was unexplained. Um, but I tend to ovulate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I tend to ovulate late in my cycle. Um, so anyway, so right before I got pregnant this time, I had gone to see my endocrinologist and she had increased my thyroid dosage because my numbers were a little bit high. And so as soon as I got pregnant, I had asked to have my thyroid rechecked. And um, but at the time when they did my initial um, HCG test um, to check, check my, my levels and they did my progesterone, they said, well, um, well, we usually do that, you know, with your prenatal panel. So we don't do that right now. And, you know, again, I, I'm comparing everything to my pregnancy with my son because that's all I know. And with my pregnancy with my son, my levels never changed. I never had to increase my dosage. So it wasn't really a concern for me. It wasn't really, you know, I did want to check them, but I wasn't like super concerned about it. So, um, so then back to kind of the, the spotting, I met, so my sister is a midwife and, um, she doesn't live here locally where I live, but she was kind of the first person I called and, you know, she said, you know, could, could be something, could be nothing, you know, just rest. It was late. It was, you know, uh, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. She lives on the East coast. So I woke her up in the middle of the night and, um, so I laid in bed and my husband was like, you know, let's try to get some sleep. But I just, I couldn't sleep. I just yeah, no way. could not sleep. I was just like, there's, and it wasn't a lot, you know, um, but I just couldn't sleep. So I just told my husband like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the emergency room. And we had just got back from our trip. So my, my mother-in-law had been watching our son while we were gone. So so we were like, you know, I felt bad calling her to like wake her up in the middle of the night to, you know, come watch him. But um, so my, I, I left to go to the hospital. My husband waited and called my mother-in-law and had her come over. And then he met me at the hospital. And I was fortunate in that there was no wait. So that was nice. They just took me back right away. Um, but they did the, the blood test. 
and they said, or they said they had to test my blood first to confirm that I was still pregnant before um, ordering an ultrasound because I guess all the texts were on call or something. And um, so they, they, they came in with my test results and they said that my HCG was 6,000. So I knew that that was low for how far along I was. I didn't, I didn't know, like, I couldn't really remember like what it was supposed to be, but I just knew that that didn't sound right. And so then they had the, um, then the ultrasound tech finally came and they said that they wouldn't let my husband come, which I was really uncomfortable with. So I was like, well, you know, if there's no heartbeat or, you know, I want him to be there with me. And they were like, well, that's just the hospital policy. And so that was really frustrating. Um, so my husband waited downstairs and they took me upstairs to do the ultrasound and the tech was great. Um, you know, he was, he didn't really, you know, he didn't say anything. So they're not supposed to say anything, but he was like, he had a female nurse come in and, and he was just, he was great. So, um, that experience was, you know, in terms of what it could have been, he at least made it comfortable for me. And then he just told me that they had to send it off, you know, to the radiologist for it to be read. And then the doctor would come talk to me. So by this point, I just knew I just had a gut feeling. I just knew that, you know, it wasn't right. So I, as soon as I got back into the room with my hot, into the hospital room with my husband, I just kind of lost it and I just started bawling and I just, and at that, by that time he had consulted Dr. Google on, you know, HCG levels and all that. And he was kind of trying to make me feel better. Like, Oh, well, you know, they could be low, but sometimes, you know, it seems everyone's different. So it still maybe could be normal, but I just knew. And then the, um, I I had also asked the ER doctor to check my thyroid levels and he was really like not wanting to do it. He was like, well, that's not related to your pregnancy. And I was like, well, no, it is. Cause if it's elevated, it could increase the risk of miscarriage. And, you know, he was kind of fighting on it and he was like, well, the insurance isn't going to cover it. And I just said, look, I don't really care. Like, I just want to know. So just do it. So he finally agreed so when he came back with, um, he came back in and opened the door when I was like in the middle of bawling and my husband was, had just gotten up cause he was going to go find me some tissue. And so they kind of like met at the door and you know, as soon as he heard me crying, he said, did someone tell you something? And I said, no. And then I just knew. So I was bawling. And then my husband said, I was just, I'm just going to go get her some tissue. And he said, you stay here. I'll go get it. So as soon as he said that, I just knew. And um, so he came back in and he said that, um, that the, basically they had measured that everything had stopped growing at nine weeks 
Um, and that, you know, I was 11, 11 weeks, five days. Um, and so that was really it that night. Um, I called my sister again and then I called my, my friend who's an OB and, you know, she just kind of said like, if, if it's going to happen naturally, like, you know, within the next 72 hours, something should happen. So, um, I was just kind of, that night, I was kind of in a state of shock, just mixed with, like, okay, I thought my problem was getting pregnant, not staying pregnant, so now I have a combination of both, maybe? So, it was just, I, I think having everything that we went through to get pregnant with my son and then having things happen so quickly this time, I just thought like, I just never imagined this was going to happen. I thought, okay, we're like, we did it. We got pregnant. Like so exciting. Just, I was just in total shock and totally devastated. And, and then, so my, my thyroid levels did come back high. So, um, and then in addition to that, when I did have my initial blood testing done, when I first found out I was pregnant and I had my HCG and progesterone done at the time, um, they had said if I wanted to supplement with progesterone, my le- my progesterone was 18.5. They said, if you want to supplement, um, you can, if you want, you know, it's in your range, it's not necessary, you know. Um, but if you just want to be extra safe, you can. And so I had made the decision not to do that because again, just kind of like I never did that with my son and just going with trusting this process, trusting my body, trusting the baby, all that. So, you know, and then of course start to have all those questions that come up like, well, you know, would have things been different if I would have done the progesterone, you know, what would have happened if I would have had my thyroid checked, you know? early on and I think just a lot of my own guilt around um around kind of focusing so much on the v-back that I didn't I I don't even think I necessarily really I don't want to say not enjoyed but like I wasn't as present with this pregnancy as I was with my son because I was so distracted by having a VBAC and finding a provider that was supportive and having a different experience than I had last time with my birth. Um, so I think there was some of like that grieving and birth trauma that kind of came up for me when I got pregnant this time. So kind of, that was all mixed in with it. Um, so then, yeah. So after that, on, so you get back from the ER, you talk to your sister, the midwife, your friend, the OB, they say, if it's going to pass, it'll be 72 hours. So your plan was see if it passes naturally. Yeah. So I had, um, there wasn't, really any other conversation at that point about anything else other than just 
see if it passes naturally there at that point there wasn't a conversation about dnc or medication management or anything like that so Mm -hmm. um i think because i had already you know started spotting and all of that so that was on a saturday and then monday i woke up like in extreme discomfort Uh and i was yeah felt like i was you know, in early stages of labor. And so I told my son, you know, we, or I told, I told my husband, we need to go take my son. Um, we need to take our son somewhere because, you know, I don't know what this is going to be like and I don't want him to be here while this is happening. So my husband went and took him and then came back home. And, um, so that, that day, yeah, I was passing a lot of stuff, you know, um, we were told if we wanted to collect any tissue for testing, we could. So I was, I was like kind of torn on that because I just didn't know if it was going to make me feel better or worse. Like if, if something came back and said, Oh, it was abnormal uh, chromosomally, then, you know, would that potentially have just made me, made me feel better. But if it said, like, oh, everything was normal, then I had in the back of my mind, well, was it related to my thyroid or related to my progesterone? And then if I knew that answer, that everything appeared normal, then how was that going to change how I felt about things? So I went kind of back and forth and then ultimately decided, well, let's just, I don't want to not do it and regret it. So let's do it and see what we can find out, like see if, if they can even find out anything. And then we'll decide whether or not like we want to know the answer. Like at least we can collect whatever we collect, have it tested and then decide if we want to know what the answer is. So we did, um, you know, tried to collect, you know, I didn't know what I was looking for, honestly. So just try to collect tissue. Um, we had sent some samples and it came back that nothing that we had sent was any fetal material so that was kind of um, again just like mixed feelings because we're you know obviously doing something that's very unpleasant you know digging through the toilet and so tell us more about that process so you woke up you're in a ton of discomfort what was it like for you passing I just remember sitting and I was sitting in front of my fireplace place like on my hands and knees just kind of like rocking back and forth I mean it just really reminded me of what I was doing when I was in labor with my son yeah I had the same experience yeah so um and then I had you know my heating pad and they had called me called me in some ibuprofen like 800 milligram ibuprofen I ended up not not taking it um in you know, it's kind of strange because it wasn't that long ago, but uh, some of some of the details are foggy. I I actually, um, in anticipation of this, I, I had journaled a lot throughout that period, and I was going to go back and kind of read what I wrote, but I, I didn't get a chance to do that. But um, but yeah, so so I mean, that's my most vivid recollection is is really that, and just um, you know just having, I mean, sending my husband to the store 
so many times to, you know, buy the largest pads he could find and, and just not knowing what to expect. And so, so the, I would say that Monday and Tuesday, I lost like the most amount of blood where it seemed like I passed a lot. Um, and then, and then things kind of tapered off from there. And then I think the weekend after that was Memorial Day. It might have been the week after. I can't. But we were we were out of town, and oh no, the weekend the week after that, I woke up in the middle of the night, just kind of like having the sweats. And I think it was about four o'clock in the morning. I took my temperature, and it was like it was low. It was maybe a hundred or. 100.5 something like that oh but, creeping up there though yeah but then about an hour later I took it again and it had gone up to 102.5 and and I felt I could feel my heart racing in my chest so I I had put my Fitbit on and I looked at my pulse and it was like 160 or something so I, I had called my sister and she was like yeah you need to go in you need yeah. to go Infection. back in yeah and so I was, when we went to the ER last time, I knew kind of the same drill because they said, well, we have to take your blood work to even confirm you're pregnant before we do anything else. And I ended up waiting several hours before they did anything. And because it was early in the morning, I was like, well, I might as well wait until my doctor's office opens because by the time I wait around at the ER, the doctor will be open. And I'd rather just do that. Um, but that was that was before my temperature went up to 102. That was like an hour in between that I was trying to figure out what to do. But then once it went up to 102 and then I talked to my sister, then I was like, all right, I got to go. So I went to the ER. I went to a different ER this time. And um, they, you know, I told them my history, all that. And they did some blood tests all of my blood tests came back normal so they were like well if you had an infection your white blood cell count would be elevated it's normal um and then they did like a year analysis and they said they were like oh oh well you you have blood in your urine so they were saying that I had a UTI and but you're I, still bleeding at this point right so yeah I, yeah so I was high like, well, likelihood of contamination okay yeah so I was like well no kidding that there's blood in my urine because I'm having a miscarriage so um so meanwhile they came in and they were starting me they were saying they so they started me on IV and I was like well what's that and she's like oh antibiotics because you have a UTI Meanwhile, my doctor, who is my friend, was texting me and she was like, yeah, everything came back normal. So I'm like, why are they pumping me full of antibiotics if everything's normal? So um, anyways, she had come to see me then at that point and was kind of like, well, um, you know, at this point, it looks like that you your your blood tests are normal. Everything's normal, but it's you have signs of infection. So I would recommend that you do. And I had just gotten back. Yes, this was after Memorial Day because I had just gotten back from a trip and we were like at a, car- like at a festival carnival thing with my son with like, so how long has people. It been? 
this was like maybe two weeks. Um, okay, so you think you've passed yeah, so all on the tissue as far as you knew. Right. So driving okay. back from that trip before this happened on Memorial on actual Memorial Day, we were driving uh-huh. back from California and I went to the bathroom at the gas station when we stopped and I passed something else this time because they had told me like, oh, it, it, what you're looking for, it, it will look kind of like tannish or brown in color and everything else was just ended up being blood clots and was like, you know, blood and red. But yeah. the, this time it was like, look like, okay, maybe this could be something. So I, I ended up getting like a coffee cup from the gas station and just and we had an ice chest in the, in the car. So I just put it in the ice chest and brought it home. But because it was Memorial Day, all of the labs and everyone were closed. So we didn't have a chance to turn it in. By the time they had opened up, they said it had been too long. And so they weren't able to test whatever I had passed then. Um, so, but, back- but this is after that you're getting the fever. Yes. Yeah, so then after okay. I get the fever and... But I had thought because of what had happened a few days earlier on the way home, I had passed everything. And so, you know, I was like, well, you know, how do I know I just don't have, like, how do I know I just didn't pick up a bug on my trip somewhere? Like, it seems kind of extreme for me to have a DNC if, like, all my blood tests are normal and, you know, everything looks good. Like, I would totally understand if it was like, oh, your blood test does not look good, like, that you have some serious infection brewing here like we need to and what about an ultrasound so yeah I had another ultrasound so what I didn't understand about ultrasound which is so I had another ultrasound and it came back that that it looked like everything had been passed the sack was gone everything was gone but in the notes it said I can't remember what how they write it but something about um there could be retained tissue of conception. Right, yeah. right, right, mm-hmm. right. So I had asked, um, I had asked the doctor, well, what does that mean? Because there's nothing like there's nothing there. And sorry, there's my son in the background. I'm going to say good night. Night, night. I love you. Um, and, Basically, she was like, well, they'll never say with 100% certainty that there's nothing there, you know. Um, so I didn't realize, like, I thought the ultrasound was, like, very black and white. Like, it's, there's something there or there's something not there. So even though they could tell that it said there was no fluid in the cavity, like, that the sack was gone. So especially having that from the ultrasound and then having my blood work all normal, I was just like, well, I don't. I don't understand like (laughs) what the heck what's going on like so and again kind of going back to like me like I know some women feel like they want to get the DNC because they just want it to be done and over with and I think for me because of my experience with just my first birth and having the c-section like that was I kind of had like a for me what was traumatic going from what my plan was to what I ended up with was kind of very abrupt and very traumatic for me. And so, um, I think this kind of was maybe feeling similar like that to me where I, I thought like, well, wait a minute, like everything looks normal. So, so why do I need to do this right now? And, um, so basically we agreed that 
So the doctor said, well, I can either schedule you for a DNC today or um, I need to keep you for observation overnight. And if everything comes back normal tomorrow, then we'll release you. So, um, so I wasn't excited about that because again, I had just got back from being out of town. My husband had taken time off work. I didn't have anyone to watch my son. So I was like, no, like I can't stay. Like, what do you mean? Like and the, and the ER doctor was, I think was probably going to just let me go home with like some antibiotics. But, um, so anyways, it ended up that I stayed, um, overnight which was kind of excruciating. Um, and, you know, because they, like, come and poke and prod you all night long and wake you up. I'm just, I'm like, a really not a good hospital person. I'm like, so, um, so the next morning, and my fever had gone down, like, overnight. Like, it had kept, it kept going down. It was back to normal by the next day. Um, and so they ran my blood test again. Everything came back normal. And so this time, you know, they were kind of like, well, everything came back normal, but we still recommend that you do the DNC. And so at that point, I was just kind of like, well, if everything's normal, um, you know, I'm just going to go home. And obviously, if I have signs of infection or something else, again, um, then, then we'll go from there. Cause I was also concerned again, because of fertility issues. Like I had talked to, um, a midwife as well, not my sister, a different midwife who, you know, was like, well, you know, I've had some women who've had issues with scar tissue and then had issues. And I already obviously have scar tissue from my C-section and other issues for fertility. So I was just wanted to like leave everything alone if possible. Um, and so then after that, I had kind of, I had stopped bleeding, um, and everything was, um, normal, but then I started bleeding again and started, uh, at this point they were just tracking my HCG back to zero. So at one point, I think it was that Friday after I left the hospital. So I think I was in the hospital like Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I think got out Wednesday. And on Friday, my HCG had gone up like, but just a little, like by 50 or something. And Peculiar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then they, so then we started talking about medication management and so I had heard that I had heard people talk about like doing um, like Mayan abdominal massage for fertility and that sometimes people will do that for miscarriage. So I called a lady here locally um, and I didn't know, I had no idea if it was going to work or not work or do anything, but I was like, look, okay, if I can go pay a hundred dollars and do this and if it helps great. And if not, then I might have to do something else. But um, again, kind of just going down this, holistic approach. And so I went and it like it worked though. I started passing more stuff, like not, I think it was the next day or something. I started bleeding for a few more days. I went back, checked my HCG and it had gone down significantly. So I was like, okay, great. You know, I don't know if it was related to the massage or if it just would have happened anyways, but, um, 
So, so I did that. And then from there, it was just slowly tracking my HCG. It took a long time. So my miscarriage was May 19th and my, I got my HCG um, results that my levels had gone back to zero just before the 4th of July because I was going out of town again on the 4th of July. And, um, so it must've been like the second or something like that because right after that, my period started like immediately. And oh my, gosh. my period, I will have to say my very first period was worse than the miscarriage. I could not believe it. Like I, I, I was going to go back to the emergency room because it was, I had way more bleeding. Like it was, it was crazy. I, I thought something was wrong and, um, but they said, you know, it can be heavy. Um, I ended up not taking the pain medication they gave me for the miscarriage. And I took it every single day during my first period because I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't function really. Like it was the worst period I've ever had in my life. Um, and, but I, I mean, I felt pretty lucky that my period came back right away. So I was at least happy with that. I, I, I think initially I, I wasn't before I, before they confirmed that my HCG was zero, I didn't know if it was my period or not. I was worried like, Oh, well, is there something still in there? And now it's starting to come out again, you know? And then once they confirmed everything was back to normal, then they're like, yeah, this is your period. And I was like, wow, this is just, this is crazy. Um, so, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of the whole process. So it ended up all happening, happening naturally. And I think for me, I needed that. I needed to know that my body knew what it was doing. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, cause I've heard a lot of women say like, you know, it's like your body's fooling you. And, and for me, it gave me some sort of peace of mind knowing, okay, my body knew what it was doing. This wasn't a viable pregnancy. And, you know, there's women all over the world that have miscarriages and, and miscarry naturally. Um, and I also think I recognized that I was in a very, um, I was in a unique position where um, I was able to take time off of work. So I didn't have to have the worry of, you know, is it going to happen when I'm, when I'm working, you know? Um, and be because I'm, I work as a, I'm a marriage and family therapy intern. So I wasn't really emotionally available to go back to work to helping other people um oh, so yeah I, yeah so I was like I I need to take some time off because I can't I can't help people process their stuff when I'm grieving and processing my own stuff so I was fortunate and I think that's one of the reasons also that you know had I had to go back to work right away or knew that like you know this, this could happen anytime, anyplace, anywhere that, you know, I, I maybe have, to, um, would have chosen a different option, but I, but I think for me, because of, you know, I, 
I work part-time and, and stay home part-time with my son that that just felt right for me. And it felt like that, okay, I needed to kind of like have that trust back in my body that it knew what it was doing and it was going to get me through this process and get my body back to where it needed to be. And don't get me wrong. There was many points throughout the process because that was like six or seven weeks of bleeding off and on. I think there were definitely points throughout the process. Like, okay, should I just go get the DNC and get this over with? But I had in listening to the podcast and talking to other women, I had known that that doesn't necessarily mean that your HCG goes back to zero or that your bleeding stops. Cause I've, you know, known that people say, Oh, they bled after their DNC or their, their levels didn't go back to zero right away. So I just thought, well, if I, if I do that and then I end up in the same boat, you know, or still waiting for my levels to go back and still having bleeding, I don't know, is that going to change anything? So, um, so I think of anything that came out of this, um, I definitely know what I want and what I don't want next time around. Um, and, and if anything, it's, you know, like in therapy, we always say kind of like, <laughs> um, you know, work has, has its way of finding you, right? Like we're kind of drawn to the things that we've been impacted by in our life. So um, I was already kind of working um, with women and couples around like infertility and transitioning to parenthood. But now actually this coming weekend, I'm going to LA to do my doula training and I'm really excited about that and kind of using that as a way to channel my grief. Um, and then, you know, then I want to kind of do some work with postpartum mood disorder. So I feel like all of these experiences that I had with the infertility and the miscarriage, like if anything that's come out of that, it's that I've come across like really wonderful people who've become a part of my support system and part of my tribe and that it's made me passionate about, you know, advocating for women's issues and, and helping other women. So, and, you know, as crappy as it's been to have those experiences, it has shaped who I am as a person, you know, both personally and professionally. So. Absolutely. And then of course, to take that and do something with it just helps create so much more meaning. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I think I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I, uh, if I um, didn't say that, you know, even coming on here was like really difficult, you know, I, before, before looking at my calendar today, I was like, Oh yeah, I have that to do tonight. <laughs> you I know, still cancel. I right, know. Everybody yeah. thinks it. I know. There's like part of me that's like, Oh man. But I just remember like, you know, binge listening in the car to the podcast and, and how many women I've, you know, connected with that I don't even know that I'll never meet. And just know that it's such, it's such, it's such important work. And it's for, for anyone that's come on here before me, like, it's such a, like a really courageous thing to be able to do and to just open your life up to, to other people and, 
And so I just <laughs> reminded myself of that when I wanted to really email you and say, oh, unless I changed my mind. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not fun to talk about, but it's also, honestly, it's much more therapeutic to talk about it with other people that um, understand and under pe- other people that, that get it, you know. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's definitely been a journey that's that's for sure and um well you know fingers and toes and everything cross that we have our little miracle baby and are able to conceive again and do you so, feel ready to start trying I feel mixed you know okay. like that's kind of how it is going forward, though. I mean, yeah. the joy of that positive pregnancy test is over. I know. <laughs> you know, I know. And that's what I told my husband. And, you know, one of the things that I've been doing throughout this process, because, you know, like everyone else, um, you know, I, we're kind of at... <laughs> the stage in our life where you tend to be, if you're trying to have a baby, chances are you're surrounded by other people who are also having babies. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's all, there's all of that other stuff that just, you know, complicates everything, all of the feelings of the grief. Um, and then also I just think, you know, really how much it impacts your relationship and your marriage in um, so much. You know, my husband and I, we've struggled, you know, we have struggled. And I've, you know, I've heard people on the podcast talk about how it's brought them closer. And, and I, and I think you kind of expect, I don't know, if you think about it, you expect like, oh my gosh, there's like this intimate experience and something, a life that you created together. And so, I don't know, I, I guess if I like just put it in my mind and then think about the loss, you would assume or think that it would bring you together, but I think for me, it's definitely more so for me than my husband that, you know, he's ready to try. He's ready to like, okay, let's have another baby. And I'm still really grieving, you know, and uh, I don't know when it's going to creep up on me. Like literally on Monday, just two days ago, I was, had to go to the doctor and do some updated thyroid testing and other blood tests. And I walked in to the lab it was at my OB's office and it's usually pretty quiet in there but I sat down I looked around and I was the only woman in the lobby that was not pregnant and I should have been and I couldn't I just couldn't help it like the tears just came streaming down my face and I got up, got some tissue, you know, I was also had a cold, so I'm like blowing my nose and sitting back down and getting up, getting more tissue and getting up, getting more tissue. And the lady finally said, here, you can take that box with you. It's like, I literally could not, you know, and then you just start thinking about it and it becomes all consuming. Like, okay, how far along would I have been? And, you know, cause I think earlier on I was more cognizant of that but as more time passes kind of lose track of like exactly where I would have been but you know that was certainly a reminder and I I couldn't hold it I just couldn't hold it together Um, and that was just two days ago so I just don't know 
when it's when it's going to creep up and and my husband and I are grieving very differently which I've really struggled with um and like I said me more so than him and you know we're going to couples counseling and working through it and talking about it but it's it's hard because you know in you recognize that it's a different experience you know like he didn't have the hormones in his body he wasn't carrying the baby um you know he didn't go through the baby coming from inside of him to outside of him like you know um you know he was there right along with me when we were digging stuff out of the toilet and that kind of stuff but you know so he has his own his own experience that happened um but he's in a different place you know he's he's ready to start trying to conceive and and you know there's I definitely want to have a baby and I I want to I do want to try to conceive I mean there's no doubt about it but there's that fear you know and the anxiety of well are we oh my gosh yeah yeah are we gonna get pregnant and if we get pregnant like what Mm -hmm. I'm really like just really pissed off that that pregnancy test isn't gonna like bring me joy anymore like I have a lot of feelings about that and so I'm really trying to so one of the things that I've done like kind of in terms of like self-care and really kind of nurturing my own soul throughout this process is I have like this little bowl in my kitchen of like mantras that if I'm having a bad day or something comes up for me that I just like pull out one and, and read it to myself, like kind of like grief and loss mantras. Um, so that's something that I've been doing and really, like I said, kind of, I journaled a lot throughout the whole process of the loss. And so I, I think um, that was really helpful. And then my husband and I did end up doing kind of like a, like had like a ritual, like a blessing, like it was just the two of us. And we kind of came up with something that was meaningful for us um, because we really wanted to recognize that this was a life and this was important to us. And um, so we had kind of just taken everything from the beginning, you know, like the pregnancy test, the cards that my son, that we had my son give to our parents and pictures and, just all of that kind of stuff. And we kind of had like a little ceremony, just the two of us. And we did it on the full moon and sat outside and lit candles and drank wine and talked. So that was like a really healing experience. I think that was really important for our process. So yeah, I think just for anyone out there who's listening and is going through this, um, you know, I just think it's super important to kind of figure out what nurtures your soul and what's going to help you along this journey and, and to really reach out for support to the people that you know can sit with you in your grief. I think that's another thing that I'm kind of trying to recognize is that um, if I kind of like put on a brave face all the time and act like everything's okay, then everyone's gonna think that so such a good point let's repeat (laughs) yeah but if you put on a brave face all the time and act like everything's okay everyone's going to think that yes so it's hard but ask for help 
Yeah, it's super Or say, hard. I don't know what I need help with. I just feel mm-hmm. shitty. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so because I think it's hard because there's so much isolation and feelings of like, okay, well, everyone else's life has moved on, but I'm not moving on. And no one's asking me how I'm doing anymore. And no one's yep. checking in on me. So, well, that sucks. But also, I just try to really remember, like, you know, grief is really taboo. It's really uncomfortable for people. People don't like to talk about it. Um, And that generally speaking, I think people want to help. They just don't know how or what to say. And that if you reach out, like I had a neighbor, um, kind of a new mom that I met at a play date, ask me. She had known I was pregnant because I told her when we were at a play date. And so she had asked me if she could make me dinner and which was so sweet. And I don't know her. I didn't at the time, I know her better now, but at the time I didn't know her very well at all. I had only met her a few times and normally I would have said no because just like, Oh, like I don't know her that well, you know, but I was like, you know what? Like, actually that would be really nice. Like I need help right now. And so I said, yes. And it was wonderful. Like it was so appreciated. It was so thoughtful. And so throughout this, I've just kind of reminded myself to like say yes when people offer and also to really reach out to the people, you know, in my tribe or my inner circle or people, people who I know can be there for me when I need them when I need them to be. And, um, and then just figuring out, like I said, kind of my own self care and, and what can, can nurture me. Like I had my husband take over putting my son to bed at night so that I could spend that 30 or 45 minutes journaling, reading, meditating, you know, whatever, taking a bath, even nights when I'm tired and I don't want to take a bath because I'm too tired to even fill up the bath. But then afterwards I feel lovely you know, so just really forcing myself to, you know, take, take good care of myself. And just like I would take care of my son if he was sick, you know, and kind of doing, doing the same for myself as I'm, as I'm, as my body's healing. I mean, literally your body is healing, you know, like there was something, something inside of you that is no longer there and your body is going through a whole physical process and, whole emotional process and um yeah so I'm just I'm very grateful for for your program and everything that you do and for all the women that have come on here and talked before me it, it was I, I like I just searched and I couldn't believe that there was a whole podcast about it, it was <laughs> crazy um but yeah so thank you for all that you do I really appreciate it You are so welcome. And thank you for being so brave and so vulnerable (laughs) and not canceling. Um, Because I know all of my guests at some point, I'm sure, want to cancel. I have not done a full podcast on my story yet. You know, so (laughs) I get it. It's it's, uh, really intimidating. However, there are literally thousands of women that listen to this. So it helps so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. 
check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.